Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So I'm launching us into a series that I will be taking us through uh, for the next several weeks. Um, Alex is, Pastor Al next week is going to be teaching something that is not a part of this. Uh, but other than when he teaches, we will, this will take us up to Advent. And it's about recognizing different aspects of the discipleship journey that Jesus has us on um, in different seasons of our lives. Now, in order to entrust ourselves to God during these different seasons, we have to believe something. We have to have some core convictions about God. One of the things that we need to believe is that he's nice. And that he loves us and he wants to do good to us. That's one of the major themes of scripture. As you're reading scripture, it gets quite dull if you take away the fact that this morally perfect God, who is perfectly loving, wants to do really good things to the creatures he created, particularly human beings. If you take that out of scripture, scripture gets really dry and dull and boring. But if you take into account that I am reading a story of how God is giving good to humanity in a million different ways, Scripture comes alive. So in order to be able to get to the place where we can entrust ourselves to God in these different seasons, some more fun than others spiritually, we have to actually believe that he is good and that he wants good things for us. And he's going to initiate in bringing good things into our lives. We have to believe that first and foremost about God. He is a good father, always at work doing good to us, if we are able to recognize it. Core theme of scripture. So um, in, I warned Alex about this uh, when we were having our pastoral one-on-one meeting uh, this week. I said, we're going to be doing Ephesians in 2022. Ephesians is Mount Everest. It is terrifying. And I just said it in front of you, so you have to hold me to it because I kind of want to back out now that I said it. But we're going to be doing Ephesians. It is an incredibly rich, dense, and difficult book. Um, When you look at it from a 10,000 foot level, though, it's not as scary. It's divided basically into half. The first three chapters are 
all the amazing and good things that God has done for us in Christ, is doing for us, and will do for us. I mean, just constant, pouring out goodness. Here's all the amazing things he's done for us. And then the chapters 4 through 6 are, how do we live in response to the good that God is doing to us? We've got to believe that he is giving good things to us if we're going to submit to him and accept the different seasons, some of them very difficult, that he brings us through. So we're going to do a little experiment here. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians. And if you have to look in the, in the you know, front of your Bible to see what page it's on. For me, my Bible, it's page 1,174, if that means anything to you. Um, but we're going to be looking at just, I'm just going to read as I'm starting to read through and study Ephesians, as a way of kicking us into, launching us into this series and trusting that God does want to give good things to us and do good things to us, I want to read verses 3 through 10. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Here's what I want you to do. How many of you like writing in your Bibles? How many of you have never written in your Bible? All right, you're going to have so much fun right now because you get to write in your Bible. Your pastor said to, so it's on me if, if God gets angry at you. Uh, he will not. Get a pen, and I want you to underline, as I'm reading this, in your Bible, I want you to underline the things that God does for us. All right? Maybe it's just a phrase or two, but underline the things God does for us. And I, I might help you by reading it a little bit more dramatically. So, starting in verse 3, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed... Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, as sons and daughters according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Did you, did you see anything that God has done for us in that passage? What are some of the phrases that you guys heard? This is audience participation. Just yell them out. Blessed us. Chose us. Forgave us. Predestined us. And I'm going to invite you to come up and preach on that for the next series after this because... We, ha we, <laughs> we haven't got into that yet. Okay, so predestined us. Anything else? Lavished upon us. Yeah, he's constantly initiating, bringing goodness into our lives. And when you learn to read Scripture that way, it begins to come alive in a whole different way. When you realize, man, even while I was a sinner, he was still doing good to me. And only as we believe that can we start moving into this idea that some seasons are hard, harder than others. And even in those seasons, there's something good for us. 
So let's, let's launch into this. <clears throat> uh, when I was a kid, my family went to a place in Arizona called Slide Rock State Park. Has anyone ever been to Slide Rock State Park? You ever been there? It's, you have? Oh my goodness, Marilyn, that's awesome. You live there? Do you live in Flagstaff? Did you live in Flagstaff? This is amazing. And you know what else, everybody? This is like the most audience participation we've ever had. I love this right now. I'm so hyped right now. That's awesome. I love that you feel free just to talk. I love that. That's beautiful. So yeah, so Slide Rock State Park. Did you go to it? It's, in, it's incredible. The boys all went. So Brandon went. Oh, well, bummer. Okay, I was going to encourage you guys to go. All right, this is an awesome place. It used to be an awesome place. Like, you go to Slide Rock State Park, it's like south of Flagstaff. We'd visit our cousins who lived in Arizona, and, and it's like these just big, smooth rocks that are kind of going downhill, and there's like a stream of water, like a really strong stream of water that kind of goes through the middle of it, and it's like a natural water slide. It's incredible. It's so fun, but I was really scared to do this at first. So I went up to the top of this thing, and, and I was like standing in line. I was just really, really scared. And I think my cousin Rod said to me, you know, you know when people get hurt on this? And I'm like, this isn't helping. <laughs> you know when people get hurt? It's when you try to control it. It's when you tense up, and you get really nervous, and you start grabbing and trying to slow yourself down. And you're trying to control it. And if you just let yourself go... The water will take you through all the smooth rocks and the smooth places, and you'll be fine. But you have to trust it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people do this all the time, and they don't get injured. It's the ones that grab on and try to control it that get hurt. That's a pretty good illustration of our walk with Jesus and the path that he takes us on through our lives if we just entrust ourselves to him and allow him to lead us through these paths, he'll give us everything we need to get through it without seriously injuring ourselves. But if we try to control it, we're going to introduce suffering into our lives. That's unnecessary. Self-inflicted suffering. So our two paths as we're following Jesus, the two options is resist his path or entrust yourself to him. Now, I want to give you a cheat code for life. Because if you believe this, what I'm about to say, it'll make all of the crazy stuff, all of the hard stuff, all the suffering a little bit more easy. And that is this. And someone much wiser than me said this to me a couple months ago. And that is there are resources available to you that God will release into your life only as you entrust yourself to him with your next step. There are things that God wants to give you. There are ways that he wants to empower you. There are ways that he wants to support you. There are ways that he wants to make you bigger on the inside. Resources available to you, he will only release them into your life as you take that next step of faith. This series is called What Autumn Teaches Us About Seasons of Discipleship. And the idea is that Jesus introduces different seasons into our lives of spiritual growth. And as we accept the invitation into these seasons and entrust ourselves to him, our faith deepens. 
and is enriched. We're made stronger and more at rest in Christ. So part of our discipleship journey is learning to identify these different seasons. Here's why this is important, that we understand that there's different seasons. Because if you, if you just think that life is going to be easy, and as long as you're following Jesus, you should always have a sense of spiritual momentum. You should always, it should always be easy to pray. You should always cry when you're listening to your favorite worship song. You should always be excited about reading scripture. If you have that expectation and you go through a season that doesn't feel like that, you're going to think there's something wrong with you. But if you understand that there are vastly differing seasons, then you won't be freaked out when you enter into a new one. So I want to just go through today some different possible seasons on our spiritual journey. You can write these down in your notes if you want. Um, but here's, we'll just give you a sampling of five. This isn't exhaustive, obviously. These are just an idea of how they vary so much. Uh, the first one that we can talk about, I, this comes from a statement in Acts 3.19. It's called a time of refreshing. Times of refreshing. That's one type of season we might go through in our spiritual journey. In Acts 3, it's talking specifically about when you, know, you initially turn by faith to Christ. You repent from a life that is deadening apart from him. And you turn to him and you say, you know, Jesus died for sinners. I'm one of them. And I need him. I'm finally going to acknowledge that I can't be my own God. I can't make everything turn out right for me in the end. And Christians believe that in the end everything turns out right. I can't make that happen. I have to entrust myself to a bigger plan and to the bigger person who can actually save me. And that's Jesus. And after you initially repent and turn to Jesus... For your salvation, sometimes you go through a season of refreshing, is what it calls. Not everybody experiences that. And it often happens in other times of our spiritual journey as well. For some reason, you just are going through a season of my soul, my heart, my spirit feels very refreshed, it feels very good, and that's a gift, and you should thank God for it. And don't hold your breath for it to stay forever, because, you know, life is pretty hard. It's not going to get better anytime soon unless Jesus comes back at any moment. Season of refreshing. Another type of season is it's sadness and joy. Two things that are linked together in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. And that is weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. This has actually helped me a lot because... I used to when I was feeling sad and I couldn't really identify why, like is it, it's even sunshiny outside and I'm still feeling a little sad and I don't know where it's coming from. Um, it helps me to know that those are probably a season and it's not permanent. I'm not always going to feel like this. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning and it actually does me a lot of good and encourages me to know that Probably in a couple days I'll feel very joyful and I probably won't know why. I'm just going to start attributing those different seasons to different ways that God is bringing goodness into my life. And ask him when I'm feeling sad, is there something you want me to pay attention to here or do you want me just to sit in the sadness? I'm fine with whatever. And when you're feeling really joyful, 
is there something you want to teach me in this, or do you want me to just sit in the joy? I'm fine with whatever. Because as I'm learning from other people, from another person, um, when good things happen to you, it's probably not your fault. And when bad things happen to you, it's probably not your fault. That's what we believe when we believe in a sovereign God. Sadness and joy. How do you heal from grief? And we've talked about this before. When you're experiencing grief, and some of you may be experiencing grief, you might be grieving over something right now. The way that you heal from grief is when you feel sad, you allow yourself to feel sad. And when you feel happy, when you don't feel sad, you don't feel guilty because you don't feel sad. This happens when we lose a loved one. When you feel really sad, don't try to medicate it or hide it or numb it or distract yourself from it. Let yourself feel sad. And when you feel when you don't feel sad, don't feel guilty because you don't feel bad. And somehow in that process, if you're walking with Jesus, he'll lead you through the grief. He'll lead you through it. What about this season? Maybe you'll identify with this. Um, a season of doing good without seeing results or feeling appreciated. Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, I am serving so much. I am doing so much. And nobody sees it. Nobody appreciates it, or nothing's happening from this. I'm trying to do all this stuff, and nothing's budging, and nobody else is jumping on board to help me. What in the world is going on? That's a season. That's Galatians 6, 9. Let's look at that. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's believing that there's one person in charge of making sure you get what's coming to you. And that's Jesus, who knows how to dole out gifts better than any of us. And one thing that will absolutely derail us on our journey of discipleship is self-pity. Self-pity will is like kryptonite to the discipleship journey. D.H. Lawrence has this poem. He says, I've never seen a wild thing sorry for itself. A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bough without ever having felt sorry for itself. It's about learning how to do good without expectation of results. Trusting that in the right time, as we continue to do good without expecting results, that God, in his time, will eventually cause us to reap what we're sowing. That, hey, this is the right service for that to happen. This is like a super interactive service, so don't, don't feel bad if that was you. That, you're totally good. <laughs> All right, let's do two more seasons. Seasons of preparation and fulfillment. So maybe you feel like you've got so much to offer and you just sense God is leading you into this important work to do and it's taken forever to get there and you're learning and you're growing and you're just like, just put me to work in this area, God. I'm ready. I'm tired of waiting. This is a season of preparation. And what happens is 
This is where we do get very frustrated and want God to hurry up the process so that we can get on to whatever the next mission is instead of just sitting still with him. This happened with Moses in the desert. He had an idea. He probably he had an inkling that he was going to be the savior of his people in Egypt and he killed somebody. It wasn't God's way of doing it and God forced him out into the, the desert, into the wilderness and he was there for a really, really, really long time until he lost all his ambition, his ideas, his strategies, his plans on how to save his people and he had given up and, G- and God met him in a bush. And David, great King David, what was he for years and years and years before he became king? He was a shepherd. Shepherds was not like a... <laughs> You know, pastors are shepherds. That's not like something that you aspire to be. A shepherd is not something you aspire to be, especially back then. It's dirty. Nobody really wanted to talk to you. You stunk. You hung out with animals. You were probably a little weird most of the time. Nobody paid attention to you. Nobody invited you to parties. And David was a shepherd. And he was there, probably didn't have a ton of ambition. And as a shepherd is where he taught him how, God taught him how to be a king. Jesus He was a carpenter for 30 years. We don't know a lot about him. He was working in the shop with his dad many of those years. And then as soon as he was launched into public ministry, he was baptized and the Spirit led him where? Into the town center, in the center of Jerusalem to start his preaching ministry? To raise someone from the dead? No, he led him into the wilderness to be alone for 40 days and 40 nights where he was with the wild animals. Preparation and fulfillment. Paul. Road to Damascus has this incredible transformation where he comes to Christ. Dramatic. And he ends up going to Arabia, probably to learn what in the heck this Christian faith is all about from the apostles and other people who were in the know. He didn't just jump into ministry, he had a season of preparation. This was me in in seminary when I left, I stepped out of full-time ministry in 2015 and I moved back to Worcester and um, I was, God put me on two paths and one is seminary where I'm learning some really cool, rich stuff about God I'd never thought about before and one was um, a retired pastor who is now a professor in Southern California who just began to help my wife and I learn how to follow Jesus again. We forgot how to do that while we were doing ministry. And as I'm learning these things, I was so like, man, this is incredible. I have got to go start teaching these things. Like, I got to start a Bible study. I got to start a speaking ministry. Like, what, what do I need to do to create a platform? I mean, people need to hear this stuff. This is incredible stuff. And I was talking with my friend, and he said, I wouldn't do that. You're, you're rushing beyond the season God has you in. You're trying to create something, and why? Why don't you just be patient and let God finish the work he's doing in this season of preparation? When it's time, you'll know. But you're probably going to end up wrecking things. And I would have. We wouldn't be here. We would be probably in another state. Wait the season out. All right, last one. Spiritual seasons of spiritual enthusiasm and spiritual dryness. All right? Uh, let's turn, actually, if you want to, Psalm 16. And I want to show you something that I hope this is encouraging for you guys. 
Because there's some seasons where you just feel very enthusiastic spiritually. You can't get enough scripture. You love praying. All these things. You just want to go to church. You can't wait to be there. And then there's a season where you just feel kind of dry and you don't want to be involved. You don't want to go to church. It's more of a discipline at that point than actually a delight for you. Um, Your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling. You just kind of feel tired spiritually. You just kind of feel dead. These are two different seasons. I want to show you something. This is, these are two psalms written by the same person, David. And I want to start by talking about a season where probably he was feeling very enthusiastic spiritually. Psalm 16, 5 through 11. The Lord is my cho- chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. That means life is going really, really well. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Just a stream of wisdom coming from God. In the night also, my heart instructs me, even as I'm going to bed, just good thoughts about God, wise thoughts. I'm just like on a roll. He's bringing all these beautiful counsels into my life. Therefore, I have set the Lord before me, always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. He's present with me, and I'm present to him all the time, consistently. I just know he's near. And so I'm not fearful. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. My whole being vibrates with joy. Things are really good. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That sounds like someone who is doing pretty good spiritually. Like if, someone, if you wrote that in your journal today, you're doing all right. You're in a pretty good place. You should probably be up here talking. Like you're in a really good place spiritually. But turn the page to your left. Same author. Psalm 13. We're just going to read the first verse. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That probably feels more like it for a lot of us, doesn't it? Same author, different season. It's the beautiful thing about the Psalms is there's something in them for whatever season you're in. And if you can't pray, then you can pray these words. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe that's your prayer for the next week. How long, O Lord, will you, hide you? Will you forget me forever? You forgot about me? You realize I'm still here? I'm still in your family, right? You're a good dad, right? Well, what's going on? Um, when you are experiencing a season of dryness, and this just came uh, to mind as I was talking to a friend this week uh, about, about this season, but when you're in a season of dryness spiritually, consider that God might be removing the training wheels. And maybe you're being invited into exploring what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus without wanting to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're inviting, he's inviting you into something where he's wanting to mature you in some profound ways where you no longer have the crutch of the emotion and the joy of following Jesus, and now you have to do it in the dark. You're flying with the instruments instead of your sight. Those are just a few examples. And one of the most common ways that we miss the gift of whatever season that we're in is we wish we were in one of our past seasons. 
You ever feel like, I remember when I used to be really fired up about God. I remember when I used to not be able to get enough of Scripture. Man, what happened to me? What, what's going on? I remember when you know, church was going really, really well. We were, I was really into it. And now I'm in the season where I just don't feel that anymore. And then you remember that God's about deep roots and forward progress. He wants you moving forward. He wants you rooted deeply in community. And he wants you growing and changing, which means you're going to have to face some stuff in the safety and the security of your community because he's always trying to advance your maturity and that requires different seasons and we miss the gift of the present season when we long for some season in the past and there's a great case study for this in the Bible it's called the Israelites at the end of Exodus 2 the Israelites were really unhappy with their situation in Egypt so they cried out to God would you save us God says, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sends Moses. He saves them. All right, we'll get you out of that. Bring you to the next one. You'd think they'd be very happy about that. You'd think they'd be very excited about that. You'd think that would be a lifetime of, wow, you answered that prayer. We'll just celebrate that the rest of our lives. That's pretty awesome. And they lead him out of the, you know, Moses leads him out of the wilderness. They go to the Red Sea. They look back. They see these horses and chariots coming after him. Pharaoh's army is coming after him. And they say, uh, Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt? <laughs> you brought us out here to die? There's, what's the deal? This stinks. Bring us back to Egypt. Let us go back to Egypt. Already they are longing for days of the past. Already they've forgotten. And God says, nah, we'll... We'll split the sea, and you walk through it, and we'll take care of your enemies. They were grateful for a couple minutes, and they enjoyed that season. And then they went into Marah, and they were in Marah, and they were thirsty, and they found this water, and they began to drink it. They're like, oh, it's bitter water. Are you kidding me? We are so thirsty, and this water is bitter. We can't even enjoy this. We're probably talking about the fact that in Egypt, they had really good water to drink. And God says, throw, uh, Moses, throw that log in the source of the water. He threw it in and it becomes sweet. And they start drinking the water. You'd think they'd be happy. And they go a little further into the wilderness. This is a case study for us. Remember, this is a case study for us. They go a little further into the wilderness and they're starving. And they start complaining. And they said, you know, at least in Egypt, our meat pots were full. And we ate bread till we were full. Why couldn't we have just died in Egypt by the hand of the Lord? Why are we out here? God says, I'm going to show you who's God. In the evening you'll eat meat, in the morning you'll eat manna. And he brought quail into their camp and they ate. In the morning they woke up and there was like a frost on the ground and it was burned off and there was manna from heaven. They ate till they were full. And yet they still continue to find ways to complain about their current season. Because we remember past seasons better than they actually were. Your memory is not right. Your memory is lying to you. Because when you remember things in the past that you enjoyed, you never remember the hard parts and the bad parts. There's this pattern we have as human beings where we glorify the past. We glorify and we get stuck in past seasons, which causes us to miss the gift of the current seasons. 
And my encouragement to you, as we wrap this thing up, is to remember that there are resources that are available to you from God that he will only release into your life as you let go of the past season that you're glorifying and allow him to usher you in like a good shepherd gently with him by your side into this new season. Here's the two questions that you can work on this week. What past season do I need to let go of? What past season, like, you're going down that slide rock, which apparently doesn't exist anymore, which is really, really sad. You're going down slide rock, and you've grabbed a hold of this rock back here, and you're tightening up, you're tensing up. I will not let go. I will not let go, because I don't know if I trust you yet, God. I will not let go. I'm hanging on to this. This was good. I don't know what's down there. That's unknown. That's unsafe. That's, and that's what Jesus does, that he invites us to follow him, and we're not really sure exactly where he's going. That's the next season. What are you hanging on to? What are you glorifying about your past that maybe wasn't all that great or was perfect for that moment? And now there's something else. And the second question is, what current season of growth is God inviting me to embrace? And you probably know already. You probably don't have to think a lot about that. Just follow what you're resisting. Follow where you sense resistance. And it probably has something to do with that. Why don't we pray? That's enough for today. And have our music team come up. Hard stuff, God. But also really, really sweet. We, uh, we appreciate the, the seasons that you've brought us through in the past. And you probably accomplished a lot of work in each of those. And sometimes we don't get the lesson. We have to keep cycling through the same season. And that's rough, but that's kind of self-imposed. I, I pray that you would give us courage in this. Because again, we're, this is discipleship 10,000. <laughs> And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you promised that you would never leave us. You promised to be with us to the very end. You told that to a group of men, most of whom would die for you, for their faith. And you promised to be with them. So enable us to trust you with whatever difficult thing we're resisting and enable us to really lean into one another. This is one of the beautiful gifts of community that we don't have to suffer alone. One, we have you, and two, we have one another. Deep roots and forward momentum. Show us the way, Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.